0: Welcome to the Lotsa Matza Pizza Podcast. Uh, we have a legendary women's hockey player, girls' youth player in her day, Natalie Darwitz from Egan, Minnesota, joins us, the current Hamlin Division Three hockey coach. It's going to be an outstanding show today. We're going to learn about her hockey background growing up, her playing days uh, at the University of Minnesota and the Olympics, as well as her current position at Hamlin University Coaching Division Three Hockey. Hope you enjoy today's show. Love
1: is a burning thing, and it makes a fiery ring. Bound by wild desire, I fell into a ring
0: of fire. Well, good afternoon, Natalie. How are you doing today?
2: Great. How are you? Thanks for having me on.
0: Uh, I'm doing great. I'm doing really well. Uh, despite all of this COVID stuff, I think we're uh, finding and getting, I'm getting into a groove of doing a podcast every day, and I've got some great guests, including yourself.
2: I'm uh, thankful to be on it. I have, I've caught a few of them. Really? Uh, Mike Crawley was on. Uh, he was actually one of my favorite, uh, favorite players growing up and the reason why I wore number 20. So, Oh my God. His head
0: just got big. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Mike's a good friend of mine. And I got to tell you, he was one of the hardest guys to do a podcast with because he's so humble. He's like, "Well, I don't want to really talk about that. Or, you know, I'm like, it's okay, Mike. It's okay. You were a good hockey player. So yeah, I can't wait to tell that to him. Good. Um, I think
2: he knows that. I'm pretty sure he knows that. I have like a super big crush on him growing up and he was my favorite hockey player. It's
0: even better. God, can we just make this all (laughs) about Mike Crowley? This will be great. This will be great. Um, So I'm going to embarrass you, embarrass Mike Crowley. I'm going to embarrass you to get right out of the gate. Uh, I prepped you for this a little bit. the story goes, I have a friend of mine, uh, Steve Wagon who passed away, and he had a son who played in some all-star hockey events. I think he played at Holy Angels, uh, one of those state championship teams, and he said that uh, Nally Darwitz was the best youth hockey player I ever saw. And I'm like, well, what do you mean best? He goes, well, you know, she was on the same team as Zach Parisi and was by far the best player. Is this a true story or not? I, can't, I don't have nothing to disprove <laughs> it now.
2: Well, it's a true story that uh, Zach and I played on, I think it was an all-star team uh, together for a couple weekends, but I, I don't know if I was the best player. I can't verify that.
0: Do you remember, what was he like? I mean, do you, do you recall this? Do you have any vivid memories of Zach Parisi or any of these other great youth boys players when you were playing boys hockey?
2: Oh, man. Um, I, have a, you know, I don't know about vivid, but I certainly remember playing the same team as him. And, um, couple other players that were successful and going on to play for the Gophers or D.G. Wong or possibly NHL. And I mean, at that age, we were, I think, worked So, um, you know, it's, it's too hard to obviously say, like, what he, definitely he was like when he was, like, 12 years old. But he was he was nice to me, and uh, he was a lot of fun to play with on the ice. So oh, I think sure. that's what stands out the most was he was just a, he was a nice kid and I uh, got along with him in the locker room. And, and obviously it was fun to play the, together on the same team.
0: That's a that, that's a lot of where these all-star things, you, you find out the other kids' kids can have the same skill sets as you versus playing at your association, which isn't a bad thing, but it just you get to play with some other kids.
2: Well, it's so much fun. I mean, especially since you're playing against these guys, you know, all through the regular season in youth hockey and then to finally – so you kind of have a depiction of them of, oh, they must be mean or not very nice, and then all of a sudden you get in the same locker room with them, and they're absolutely – a blast to be around and and fun to play with. And it's always fun when you get the top players with each other, just how it elevates your game um, and just makes it so much creative and fun out there. And you just start doing things you normally can't do because you don't get the puck back or something like that. So yeah, it was, it was tons of fun to play in those types of teams with, with those types of players
0: so going back what was your uh entry point into the game of hockey because it wasn't exactly it became a little bit more vogue to play hockey for girls but not as it as much as it is today how did you what was your launching ground into hockey how'd you learn about the game
2: I was lucky I mean I think your your surroundings kind of breed who you're going to become and and my brother my older brother brother played and my dad coached him and I was the youngest of three siblings and um, it was either go to the rink with my dad and brother or to tap dancing class with my mom and sister. And I made a beeline into my dad's vehicle. <laughs> so, um, every time, right? Yeah, pretty much every time. Um, and so I just kind of hung out at the rinks when I was young and, and just kind of run, ran around the, the stands and played kick the can with the other little siblings. And I uh, just had an itch to get on the ice. And so my parents, when I was five years old, you know finally gave me the green light to, to to get skates and get on the ice and just absolutely just had a bit the biggest smile on my face and just became my passion and no one could really slow me down from there It was just something I always wanted to do I'd wake up in the morning first thing I want to do is go outside the driveway and and lace on the rollerblades and and, and stick handle around or, or go to the outdoor rinks in the winter so I uh, just kind of was always on the brain and I just kind of, felt my parents were great because, like you said, at that time, I was the only ponytail at the rink in the South Metro for quite some time. So, what was that like? Um, did you
0: did you notice? Obviously, you notice it now, but did you notice it then? Was it a big deal being a young girl on those teams, or or did, didn't it would didn't even stand out to you?
2: I personally really didn't notice it. I I just was doing something I loved to do. Um, I just happened to be the only girl. I think the people that really brought attention to it. Were uh, the parents, um, especially the parents of other teams? So it was like, "All oh, that girls out there, let's 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 plaster her through the wall or something like that."
0: What is um, with that? It, I I still don't, I don't understand know. that. Um, when I had Karen by on Deets on the show, she said the same thing that they were like, "We're gonna hit her. She's a girl." Like, I don't. Where does that come from?
2: Unfortunately, you. In our society, sometimes you only hear the negative, right? I'm sure there was tons of, of people giving compliments. You just <laughs> you just don't hear about the compliments as much. So um, I don't know. It's probably only a select few of people that, you know, there's probably some ego and, and jealousy going on. But quite honestly, it just motivated me more. I mean, my dad always said they can't, they can't hit you if they can't catch you. And I've always kind of just had that line in my head. And, and that fueled me to just be the best player I could be is I don't care if I'm out there with men, women, you know, it's, I want to be the best player I can be every time I hop over the board. So, um, but it it made for a little adversity for me, but it it helped me grow and gave me a little thicker skin. And quite honestly, looking back at my hockey career, everything that needed to happen for me to grow and get to the next level, it all played a role into each facet. So, you know, growing up with the boys that, you know, having the target on my back being the only girl, that helped me in the future when I was, you know, a fifteen-year-old playing on the national team with with girls that were, you know, ten times old, ten years older than me. And so probably
0: jealous, every, probably jealous too, right? I mean, I, I'm guessing when yeah, you're maybe. a fifteen-year-old on the There's, when you're a fifteen-year-old on the national team, you've just taken someone else's spot, you know?
2: Yeah, there could be a little bit of that, and so uh, it, it's it's kind of cool to look back at my career and and to go everything that happened had a purpose that yes. was. Help me for the next chapter. So, um, did your dad, and bad, right?
0: Did your dad, Scott, ever coach you at all?
2: Absolutely. Um, you know, he coached my brother primarily growing up through his youth hockey career. Yep. And then once my brother kind of got into high school hockey for Egan, my dad switched over and started coaching, um, you know, helping out with, with my teams. And then actually, when I started, I think my freshman year in high school, or my ninth grade year, I don't know what it was, one of the years uh, he coached, he started being the assistant coach. Really? um For the, firm of the Egan High School team, the girls team. So that kind of started his career on the girls end, and then he carried that job. I mean, he was the girls coach at Egan uh, for maybe 15, 20 years. I don't even know, but for a while.
0: Wow, that's pretty, I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. That is yeah. pretty cool. All right. So, this is, to me, some of the more fascinating stuff in your career. In high school you had. Uh, Egan was one of those teams that was just kind of, like you said, always the bridesmaid type of team. Uh, was that good for your career uh, to, to kind of experience some disappointment amongst all the accolades? Because, I mean, it seemed like anytime time I turned on the TV uh, and girls hockey was featured, it was either you or Chrissy that were you know, being talked about in, in the 90s.
2: Yeah, well, certainly I would have loved to win a state championship or two. But, we, yeah, we fell a little bit short. Um, but, you know, fortunate enough to go to uh, state tournaments in my high school career and, you know, growing up watching the state tournaments on TV at the Civic Center with the clear boards. And, and then we, I think ours were at the the Coliseum yep. State Fairgrounds. Um, it was just, you know, the nostalgia of going to the state tournament, the band playing, the school being there. Um, it was just so much fun. So, you know, looking back, obviously, I was really disappointed at the time. Of you know, we we got upset by a few great teams. You know, the Jaguars knocked us off one year, and then Roseville the next year. Um, but I, I was definitely fortunate enough to get the experience. But at the time, I was certainly as a competitor disappointed that you know we didn't uh, accomplish the state championship. We had some really good teams, uh, but we also came up against some really great teams that that knocked us off. So. Uh, I have a lot of great experiences from my high school at Egan and I just remember just the even Civic Arena being packed, you know, for the rivalry games. It's a know, great barn. Georgia. It really is a nice. Oh, rink. it's such a great facility. I love. I have tons of great memories there of just that place being packed and the student section, and a lot of great memories from high school hockey in that in that rink. So, uh, really fortunate just to be have great coaching throughout my my high school career with. Uh, Merlin Ravendolin was our head coach, and, and he was actually my FIA teacher in elementary school. So uh, he actually is our assist, our volunteer goalie coach now at Hanlon. So he's obviously still in my life and keeps touching cool. a big, big part of it. So, um, yeah, just uh, I have a, a, a good section of my heart for, uh, from Egan High School and, and everything that that administration and school has done for me because. When I was a uh, junior and senior in high school, I had to actually leave high school to play for the U.S. team, and they really helped me out to to get me graduated and to do some online classes and uh, be really creative so that I was still able to attend school without actually being at school uh, present in school. Yeah,
0: I'm so. sure it was it was a little more a little trickier back then than it is today.
2: Oh yeah, we didn't. I mean, we had the dial the dial up connection, you know, the AOL. <laughs> <laughs> So it's like the online thing wasn't what it was now. So, um, you know, I think I was mailing my, my homework back through snail mail and stuff like that. But, uh, we made it work and they were obviously really accommodating and and wanted to make it work. Not too often. They're going to have, uh, one of their students
0: being Olympian, so it was, right. it was pretty great. So, walk back through the high school years, I talked about Chris, you and Chrissy Wendell uh, being so so dominant. I, I, a friend of mine, my, my roommate, uh, actually after college, uh, was a co-worker of your mom's at Northwest Airlines, and he said, you, we have to go watch this Natalie Darwitz play. And I had heard of Christy Wendell because of the whole Little League World Series and what she had done. I'm like, alright, let's go watch. And, and you were just absolutely it was. I think he probably had like eight goals that night. I mean, it was just a a, a pure domination of the game. And I f- kept going back to myself saying, "She should play with boys." But obviously, you weren't big enough to play with the boys. What was it like being so much farther ahead? Did this prepare you for 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 the future in your career as well? Being so far ahead of everyone else.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I played I played boys hockey through Pee Wees, and at that time, we there was checking um, and. When I kind of hit eighth grade, I, I stopped growing. i I'm, I was five three, and I'm five three today. So I didn't have the height bug on my side, and um, I made the switch over to uh, girls' high school hockey. And um, you know, it, it was a little bit different. I went from playing and being challenged with the boys and checking to now, you know, I'm hasn't hasn't tails and better than any of my teammates and if i if i get a pass i'm if i take a pass and give it to somebody i might not get it back um so there's a little bit more end-to-end going on and 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 playing uh you know the hockey shifts really should be 30 to 40 seconds i'm out there now maybe two minutes just because coach needs me out there um so it's a little bit different of a game it, but at the end of the day it, it still is the same game right. um I just kind of had a little bit more individualistic role um, to kind of take care of everything. But the cool thing for me was throughout the four years I played is I saw my teammates get so much better. I mean, from that first year to their fourth year of, of playing, um, just the growth that they, that I witnessed in those four years that that they had um, in the growth of the game was just so much fun to be around, but the game is certainly different now. I mean, you're not going to see, that, that Chrissy Wendell type player, you know, play, you know, basically a whole game and, and come off for maybe three or four shifts. Um, you're going to see more depth in the game and more of a team game. Um, you know, we kind of were speaking earlier. I will rival and say that I don't think we've seen a player quite like Chrissy. Um, you know, I think we've come close with a fan and, and, and those types of players. But I, I really think like she's a player that if she laced up the skates today, Even though the game has changed and there's more depth, I still think she'd be toe dragging people and and making moves on people that she was still able to do back then.
0: So you're saying Christy Wendell, even today, would dominate, would would score twice as many points as her team like she was doing then. Like, oh, maybe it was three or four times then. But you're saying she would still be the best player out there?
2: Yeah, I think she would still put up the same numbers. I I do. I mean, she was that good. Um, And just being witness to this firsthand of, of playing with her for many years since I was 15 years old. When we first got on the national team, um, this is when they just won the gold medal in 98. So, you know, the the next year later, I mean, she was arguably one of our best players on the national team going to up against the best players on Canada and and still making them, you know, look silly with the toe drag. So, you know, she was, she was able to do that at a young age against the best in the world. So
0: Um, I think
2: that's just, I think she could do it. I do.
0: I don't doubt you, but when you said to me before we started the show, I was like, wow, this is fascinating. I'm like, and, I, and I've always thought she was, again, one of the hardest players in the world to stop when she was in in her prime. But I think about it now, I'm like, yeah, you're probably right that there was something special. I mean, there weren't a lot of, you know, catchers on a Little League World Series team, you know, like she was a, just an, a beast of an athlete, you know? Yeah. You know, it, I mean, when
2: she came barreling down the ice, it was. I was like, oh, I'm getting out of the way. Just yeah, shame herself. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: it, it, a fa- it was a fascinating statement that you made. And I want to make sure we got that in here today. Um, I want to talk about the uh, the residency program that you went through. You were a junior in high school or a senior in high school? Did you play through your sophomore year or through your junior year at Egan?
2: Uh, I, my last year of high school hockey was my sophomore year
0: at Okay, so your junior and senior year of high school, you spent in Lake Placid, New York, in, in a, what they called a residency program for USA Hockey in preparation for the 2002 Olympics in, uh, where was that? I'm sorry, S-Salt Salt Lake? Salt Lake City. So I get yep. them all mixed up. Sorry, Salt Lake, and then Torino is where you guys took bronze and... Vancouver. Okay. All right. Got it. Sorry. Um, so you're getting ready for Salt Lake. You're going to play on your own soil. What was this two years like in Lake Placid training with this team?
2: Yeah. So it's it's kind of a, the, the first time they did it, just obviously the Olympics in our backyard in Salt Lake and, um, coming off four years prior, they won gold, uh, for the first time in the first ever Olympics, uh, for women's hockey in, in Japan. So it was a really big deal. So the head coach at the time who was Ben Smith uh, said, you know, he had a great idea of, of doing a residency program for, um, for two years out. And so my junior, my junior year, I was out of school. Obviously I was doing school through correspondence through in high school, but I wasn't physically in school. Uh, then we were in Lake Placid for most of the year. And, uh, obviously people know Lake Placid, the 1980 Olympics and how, how cool that was. And, and, um, um it's like a land, it,
0: is. It, it is a landmark for hockey in the United States no question.
2: Absolutely. It it is and it's it you know I'm sure a lot of people got great memories and of, of that obviously with the Miracle on Ice. It is a, a little small town and in in the Adirondacks probably about 2 hours away from the nearest airport. So um the to, to put like you know 25 girls the ages 16 to 17 to like 30 in a small town was a little bit difficult. Uh, <laughs> I think the nearest target to help people r- relate to this, so I think the nearest target was like two hours away. So wow. we didn't really have a whole lot in the town. So I think that was maybe part of Coach's plan was like, to like, okay, they'll have the only focus will be on hockey. Um, I, that certainly worked. But as far as uh, um, having any sort of life outside of hockey, it wasn't, really <laughs> wasn't really happening. You can only walk Main Street so many times. Um, which took about five minutes to do. So, yeah, so we were kind of in like Placid training for that that year. Obviously, we would leave a couple times throughout the year to go to major tournaments, Four Nations World Championships, or or, or to play some games against Canada. But, yeah, we were living in the dorms there in the training center and eating the cafeteria. So I kind of joke with people like, when I got to college, I didn't need to do the dorm thing because I, I literally did the dorm thing for two years with the US team in, in Lake Placid. So I was, I was good with going into any more dorms.
0: And did the, so this, this, this pilot program of the residency at Lake Placid, I'm guessing that it was a, not a, a huge success because they never did it again, correct?
2: Yeah, that was—I mean—that was the last time they did it. Two years out, and and he pulled everybody out of school or out of their lives, and so—and these are kids um, in
0: college too, right?
2: Yeah. So, like for instance, like Chrissy Wendell, she she already graduated high school, so she literally delayed college for two years. Um, a lot of other players, if they were in college, they had to take a leave of absence. Um, but they kind of had to. I mean, they were following their dream of of playing in the Olympic Games, representing their country. So, um. It wasn't really a, an option to to say no if you have this on the Olympic team. So, um, what was let me they, ask... they have done it again? They just they they've been in different cities, obviously major cities. I think right before twenty ten, our our home base was was Blaine at the Sports Center. Yeah. So, but the very different drastic approaches between Lake Placid and Blaine, of obviously a central hub of an airport and and a city versus kind of remote location. And it was, was
0: was it one, probably a one year residency versus two, correct?
2: Exactly. It would just be in the the Olympic year. So, you know, the Olympic year to to be off of school and everything is pretty standard now, but to to do it a, a year out from the Olympics is they haven't done that since.
0: Got it. So when, when they have these 25 person women rosters, right? Um, someone's getting cut too, right?
2: Yeah, it's, it's it's really like the movie. I mean, that you saw the miracle of of Herb Brooks having to send a couple players home towards towards the getting year of the Olympics, and that's the same thing. You know, every Olympic year is different, but um, of the amount of roster that the coach wants to take. But at the end of the day, you got to narrow it down to. I think nowadays it's I don't know 19 skaters and three goalies or something like that. Um, when I was playing, it was 18 skaters and and two goalies. So. Right. It stinks, man, especially in 2010. Um, some of my my best friends on the team, uh, unfortunately, got cut at the end. And it was really tough.
0: Yeah, how do you, I mean, uh, does that affect the dynamic of the team?
2: I I mean, yeah, I, I think so. When all of a sudden you have a player there that, you know, at the end of the day, everyone's everyone's deserving, and everyone deserves a shot to be there. It's really what the coach and the the staff and the administrative staff feel is the best team to go to the Olympics. And unfortunately I would love to say that each team had the best players there, but when you get to that level, there are politics involved and um, it, it really depends on who the selection committee is. If they have ties to maybe the East coast and the Midwest, well, they're going to favor those types of kids over uh, another kid. So I think out of my three years, every Olympic team, you saw something of a cut, and you kind of went, "Oh, huh? right." I don't know about that one, <laughs> you know. Um, so, and maybe
0: that's why you're a coach today, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think. I mean, all, not again, to some degree, I, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't have. I don't. I'm not, I'm not coaching Olympic teams. I don't have that big of a decision. I'm. I'm I have the luxury if I get to our staff gets to recruit. Hopefully, those kids that we want to be on our team. Right, uh, versus getting a pool of players and having to pick them off, but um, yeah, I mean, you, you you saw some tough stuff, and I think the toughest one for, for me was in 2006 when Cammy Granato was let go. Um, yeah, you know, arguably one of the biggest names in hockey, and and it was one thing if if she could compete still, or you know, wasn't good enough. Um, and I don't think that was the case. I think it was from for other implications, and and unfortunately, that's not for me to say or know. But it, uh that one stung. I think that one really, when you talk about, does it change a dynamic? That one obviously did. That was our team captain. That was a face of women's hockey in in the world. Um, so that one was. Tough and you, and you probably team.
0: looked up to her too, right? Oh
2: my gosh, absolutely. I mean, not only you know is was she a great hockey player, but just a, a phenomenal person off the ice and someone you wanted to emulate and and be just like so that one was tough i think for for our team i think that was 2006 and i don't think our team ever it just got us off on the wrong foot i don't think we were ever able to really recover from that and uh our olympic showing kind of kind of really dictated that i think we lost in the a shootout in the semifinal game and so we earned bronze that year which is a disappointment for our team for
0: for the u.s Um, that's like a a black eye in some ways right
2: (laughs) considering
0: it's either gold or silver right like
2: right usually i mean the game is growing now and there's more parity in the game with some other countries but back then it was really a a u.s canada and so for us to get to get beat um unfortunately it wasn't in a shootout but um yeah it, it happens and uh that was a, uh, you know, you see some cutthroat stuff going on at the very highest level, and that's what it is. I mean, and you just got to keep doing your thing and, and going out there and, and doing your best on the ice to contribute and, and impact the team. Um,
0: so before we get to the Olympics, uh, 2002, you you've t- take silver uh in Salt Lake and then after that you have three glorious years at the University of Minnesota was that where you always wanted to play uh as a kid or were there other options for for playing college hockey
2: Yeah I mean growing up obviously a Minnesota kid you're you're watching the the Gopher men's team play on the TV every Friday and Saturday night and um as I kind of said in the beginning of the podcast um you know I chose number 20 for my because of Mike Crawley and, you know, just being a kid and, and turning on the TV and watching him play for the Gophers and and just the, the pride in, in the U of M and stuff like that, obviously, it was it was, it was my first choice. Um, did I did I shop around? I mean, I'll say casually. I mean, yeah. a couple of schools were reaching out to me and, uh, you know, talking to me. and. But at the end of the day, I mean, I wasn't – I knew I was going to go to the Gophers. I mean, all my buddies were there. Chrissy was going to go there. Uh, when he was going there, um, so if I was saying I was looking elsewhere, I wasn't being serious or being true to my heart, I was, I was going to be a gopher. I didn't really need to go through the whole recruiting process. And I really didn't. I, I just talked to a couple other schools over the phone. And, um, the interesting thing about my recruiting process, that's a different than a lot of the process these, these days is, uh, we didn't, re, we didn't really commit until you were a senior in high school. Right. Um, so I was actually a senior in high school on the U.S. team. So it was kind of really hard to track me down. I mean, a school can say, hey, Natalie, can you come visit? I'm Well, I got practice at 11. <laughs> I'm in Lake Placid. In Lake Placid. You know? yeah. yeah, so my recruiting process was a lot different, um, and, so you, and it was just a little bit unique. So. You get a,
0: Basically, it's probably all over the phone, right?
2: It was. I mean, I remember... I remember napping in our dorm room in Lake Placid and the phone ringing. And obviously, we—we we, I think we did have cell phones at the same age. They just weren't yep. as popular as they were now. So landlines, you're still calling. And we had every room had a, like a hotel Yeah. A phone in it. And I remember they would tick me off because the phone would ring. And my roommate would be like, do you want me to get there? I'm like, yeah, and tell him I'm sleeping. <laughs> 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 and so my roommate, Trisha Dunn, who actually lives in Minnesota now, Well, she would always take my phone calls and be like, oh, she's not around right now. Can I take a message?
0: (laughs) It's blah, blah, blah Uh, from Wisconsin. It's blah, blah, blah from New Hampshire or wherever, right?
2: Yeah. So, you know, I kind of talked to a couple schools seriously, but really I knew that Gophers
0: was it. Oh, well, having Winnie and and Chrissy a part of that future, you knew that your team would be strong, and, and boy, was it ever strong.
2: It was, and not only that, I mean – at the time they were starting to build Ritter arena. And so, you know, knowing that you were going into a premier hockey program that was serious about their women's hockey by building a rink. Um, and then I always talk about it's the people that make your experience and just knowing that, um, you know, Winnie and Winnie and a lot of other players who I grew up playing with and against would be going there. and it was a no brainer. So, um, I knew, I knew we would have a great team. I knew we would compete for championships. But most importantly, I knew I would be around some great people that I would have a lot of fun with and, and grow as a person, as a player.
0: So all three years, you were a Patty Kazmaier uh, Memorial Award finalist. That's, that's, a, that's a pretty impressive run, right? I mean, you're one, basically considered one of the best players in college hockey. Your team wins two national championships. Uh so many great memories. Was it was it the was it the people with the coaching, the school? What were some of the greatest parts of being there?
2: Well, they all were. I think they all kind of blend in and, and make each other better. But at the end of the day, I think we live in a relationship world. Um and so just the people at the U of M I think are what makes it. Obviously Ritter Arena you know, helps and um yeah, the athletic department and the and the school obviously helps, but my memories are are necess- not necessarily what rink I was in or building. It was I know exactly who I was with and <laughs> what we were doing. Um and so those are kind of the experiences I that I've uh, are hold fond and, and dear in my memory um, of my U of M days is obviously having um, Brad and, and Brad Frost and Joel Johnson and Charlie Berghoff were my assistant coaches and Laura Hollinger was my head coach. Um, they're obviously f- fantastic people and, and did things the right way and, and great coaches too. So, um, and then just a lot of great teammates, you know, uh, Kelly Stevens was on our line with me and Chrissy and we were probably one of the best lines ever to play college hockey. That was just so much fun. Um, I think the second year we won it, um, we just put up some crazy numbers like astronomical stats that were just ridiculous. And so you know, the plays we were making at tic tac toes on power play and just going down the ice, those are the things I remember as just the plays that we did. And that literally we would go down the ice five, six, seven passes. The other team wouldn't touch the puck and we score a highlight real goal. Um, that's, that's how good we were and how fun it was to play with that team.
0: Yeah, here's one stat for that year you had uh, 2.85 points a game for all games. Think about that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Most of those were assists to chrissy or kelly
0: you had 72 <laughs> assists that year
2: there you go yeah like i said most of those were probably from the d zone <laughs> uh taking like three strides hitting chrissy and stride and then being her like tote drag and dangle the goalie
0: yeah well you're so. you're very humble you're very humble you got that <laughs> down you got that one down uh all right so fast forward now uh y- y- you go through the olympics you played it in three olympics uh, you talked about Lake Placid and all those things. Y- your first Olympics in um, Salt Lake City, what's that like being an Olympian? You know, you've always been a, a real good hockey player. You know, that was well-documented being a good hockey player. You played in some national teams as a, as a youngster. But Olympics is Olympics, right? You know, that's as, that's separating yourself from other people in the world ver- versus just being, you know, the best kid at Eagan High School
2: right it, yeah it was it was pretty special um and out of the three i think salt lake was obviously my favorite being it was my first one i was 18 years old it was it was in the u.s and salt lake a lot of family members came and and high school friends and, and good family member uh, family friends came. So and, and you take that for uh, granted
0: too, right? Like, yeah, it's just the, the limp Olympi- the Olympics and it's over. It's a two hour flight from my house. I mean, that's pretty. It's almost your backyard in some way with so many people yeah. can come to it, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I was pretty lucky. The two out of three of my Olympics were in North America. I mean, yes, if if you just look at the last couple, they're they're all overseas and, the Asian countries or right now. I feel like so yeah so I was really really lucky to really have two Olympics really in our backyard and in Salt Lake and then Vancouver so that family and friends could get to and it was really accessible and obviously there's a financial burden there because you know we're not really given a lot of financial help especially for our parents to come and, yep. and stuff like that so it, that, that really alleviated a lot of that as well so Um, but I just remember that first Olympics kind of, we were on the practice sheet and there were Olympic rings on the ice and just, uh, it skated over them. And I kind of just, my heart just kind of skipped a beat. And when one of my teammates must've kind of found a reaction of, and she's like, this, this was her second Olympics. Her name's Katie King. She's actually the head coach at Boston college right now. And she's like, gave me a shin pad tap. And she's like, pretty cool, huh? And kind of winked at me and i, I kind of got you know the the goosebumps and got kind of emotional um just because a lot of people don't know their journey there it's not it's not always rainbows and butterflies and what it's cracked up to be there's a lot of sacrifice and a lot of grind i mean i left home when i was 16 years old to, to do this dream um my parents sacrificed a lot i mean they 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 saw their kid leaving home <laughs> and pretty not early going to school for two years yeah so there's just a ton of sacrifice and a lot that goes into it. So a lot of motion kind of came over to came over me at that moment um, when I kind of skated over those rings and then obviously playing in our first game and and seeing my family up in the stands. And I always try to find them and give them a wave in and, and warm-ups. And uh, that was just really cool and emotional just to have that. And that um, we had a really solid Olympics. We were expected to win. We never lost to Canada that year. <laughs> I know. Um, you know. I, right? Karn I mean, Bai you know, like,
0: walked me through that. Uh, how yeah. you know they don't? She says, "I don't think we deserve to win in '98, and we deserve to win in '2002." So it kind of, she says, kind of flip flop. Yeah. You know.
2: Yeah, it was tough. I mean, we just we we dominated them all year long. We were we were definitely the better team, and it was just a weird game, a special teams game. We were on the 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 better end of the stick cause we were getting a power plays, but you know, you know, once you kind of go on two or three power plays, and you don't score the momentum kind of starts to shift. And it was just a weird game. One, I think that if we could go back in time and play over again, I think we all would want to. So, yeah. uh, ended up getting silver of that one, but it was a phenomenal experience. I remember like, I, uh, against Finland, I got a, I, I was lucky enough to get a hat trick. I was online with Chrissy Wendell and Tammy Granato, uh, and we had a pretty good Olympics and I think I was the beneficiary to their setups backdoors for a hat trick. And after the game I had, I had to go to a press conference. Um, and on the way back, I'm walking back with Bill Robertson, who was used to be the PR guy for the wild.
1: Still. Yeah. Who is
2: now is the commissioner for the WCAJ on the men's yeah. side. Uh, was our PR guy and I'm walking back and I'm like, Wayne Gretzky's like two feet from me. I'm like, are you kidding me? Um, and I kind of stopped and am like, "That's Wayne Gretzky." I'm a, I'm an 18 year old kid, you know, seeing Wayne Gretzky up close. And he's like, "Have you ever met him?" I'm like, "No." <laughs> so he stopped, and obviously he knew him with obviously the NHL and everything. And uh, it was really cool. He is he. I was Billy Robert introduced me, and this is Natalie. She's 18. She's playing for the US team. He's like, "Yeah, I just saw you score a hat trick. I, I know who you are." So <laughs> that was that was pretty phenomenal. Uh, just. Those, those types of stories that happen at the Olympics, things just once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that I was lucky and fortunate enough to, to work hard and, and to earn that spot.
0: Well, I was going to ask you about the opening ceremonies about uh, being in the U.S., but I think I could just stop right there with the Gretzky intro, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw you score was, a hat trick. Yeah. You know, that's pretty cool. That was really cool. Yeah, yeah. So the opening ceremonies, let me see if I got my memory right here. You you go through the opening ceremonies, you walk through, you got your uniform and all that stuff. And then the US Olympic eighty team walks out and lights the torch. That had to have been a kind yeah. of a memorable moment, right?
2: Absolutely. I mean, obviously I wasn't born I was born in eighty three, so um obviously knew all about the miracle and and uh heard about it. Obviously my dad always in our rec room has a, has a picture of the Miracle on ice hanging. And so obviously knew well about it and gave you goosebumps. And that was obviously whoever was on the planning committee did that, did that right. Yeah. To do that.
0: And, and, you know, it would be one thing if you were like a skier, it wouldn't be as big a deal. But as a hockey player, to see those hockey players up there lighting the torch, I thought, well, that's pretty neat for the, the 40 hockey players from America to, to look up there and see what the what it really yeah, means to yeah. us as a country.
2: And I think, I mean, I could be totally wrong here, but I want to say that the Salt Lake Olympics was the, the next time that the U.S. hosted it since 80. Yes. I could be wrong.
0: I think you're but, right. I think you're right. Yeah,
2: so I mean, that even had more meaning to it. So,
0: well, we're we're getting down the road here. I got some other great stuff to talk to you about, and, and we we could talk about your Olympics and all that stuff. But I think I want I want to move forward to your full time job, and I think it's an a really interesting job being the head coach at North Dakota. And there's so many different directions we can go here as a coach. Uh, you touched on a couple things there about you know this you know Cami got cut or whatever. Um, is it your, is, is it in your blood to be a coach because your dad coached. what was it that you said, Hey, I want to coach. Cause you coached high school hockey as well. What, what really drove you to be a, to be a coach? What was it in you?
2: Um, it wasn't my, my choice. I mean, I actually, I wanted nothing to do with it. Uh, really? Wow. Jeez, I, I, yeah, this is a, I, uh,
0: you're a good interview. You know that?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know, I was, I was playing at the time. I was I was kind of in that stage where I was training on my own getting ready for the next Olympics in 2010. And uh, obviously, I already graduated college. So I was kind of in those years in, in limbo in between the next Olympics. Um, and my dad's like, hey, he was a coach at Eden High School, uh, the girls' varsity team. And, and he's like, hey, just come twice a week and run some drills. You can go home, but you're going to do this. And I was like, Dad, come on. Like, I don't want to do it. <laughs> You know, um, but I always did camps and clinics in the summer. I started running my own clinic, you know, with boys and girls and, and doing a week long clinic. And I, I enjoyed the camps and clinics. I just didn't want to coach, like be on the bench and I didn't think I would like it. And so, you know, it started off, I, I was, I agreed to it. after. So basically
0: kicking and, and screaming, you went to help your dad.
2: Yeah. I mean, he's like, what else you got to do? You know, you're free from three to five, you know, like, he, and football, he knew your schedule
0: pretty you know? well too, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously high school practices are after school. So he's like, you're fine. You don't got to do anything. You're not in school, blah, blah, blah. So he, he did a pretty good sales pitch. And at the end of the day, like, I love my dad and he actually, he knows what's best for me. So I, I kind of was like, all right, dad, there's not much I can say no to my dad with. It's like if, if you feel strongly about something, there's a good reason why. So, um, so I agreed to it and, and I, you know, at first I went and it was fine and then, I just found myself enjoying it more and getting to know the players more and and coaching them and, and, and running some exercises on the ice and just kind of getting to know them one-on-one and, and working with them on the side that I started going more. I started going three to four times a week. And then he's like, hey, why don't you just come to a game and and you can scout from the stand. And then all of a sudden I was on the bench a couple of games later. And then before you know it, I'm, I'm basically there every day. So that's what really got me into it and I kind of just fell in love with it. Um, so I helped my dad coach and obviously the the team was successful that year. That certainly helped. I think we went to the state tournament that year for Egan. Um, and then, uh, I think I only did that a year or two. And then Brad Frost came calling and uh, I was at the U for two years and that was a unique situation because I was still obviously training for the preparation for the 2010 Olympics. So we worked out a deal where he was like, Hey, I know hockey comes first, you in the Olympics, but if you can coach 75% of the time with the Gophers, um, if there's a conflict in schedule, obviously you'll go with the U S team, but as, as much as you can make the Gophers, will take you. And so we worked out that deal. I was with the Gophers for a year and then took the year off for the Olympics and then competed in the twenty ten Olympics. And then I went back, uh, after the Olympics to coach with the university of Minnesota again. Um, so I was, I was there two years total, and it was a lot of fun. I love the D1 level. Obviously, I love the University of Minnesota. I think we went to the Frozen Four both years and just kind of came up short, but it was a lot of fun. Um, and then I just kind of knew from there I really wanted to get into to coaching and uh, made the decision to take a head coaching job at Lakeville South, and I was there, I don't know, three or four years. And um, very
0: successful, too, by the way. I mean, these were these weren't rebuilding. You had a lot of Ws.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, when I first got to Lakeville South, they, they lost a lot of their players. So that was the next year we, we, we competed, uh, um, um, with some other teams. And, um, I think we always just kind of came up short in the section finals. And I think my third year we got to the state tournament, um, for Lakeville South, but that was fun just to kind of now really, I, I was really fortunate to be coached by a lot of great coaches and. I think something great that USA hockey does is whenever we had the August festival, which was kind of like a tryout, um, they would invite a lot of ho- college hockey coaches. And some of them were on the male side. I remember Dean blaze was my coach for a couple weeks. Uh, really? so I, I really got experience and I really got a lot of touches with a lot of great hockey coaches. And so it was now fun to literally take all those experiences of what, I, what I liked about those coaches and then who I was as a person and kind of, you know, have my own program and kind of do things and, and, and figure out what works and what doesn't work. And at the end of the day, it just comes down to relationships with your players, I think is the most important thing I've, I've found out and I'm still learning and I'm still growing with doing so.
0: So at what point you, you coached at Lakeville for three years and then were you knocking on the door of and make putting your resume out there to coach at, at the college level or do they come knocking on your door? How does that work? Yeah, I mean, because it's I, I different. Was, Everyone, the hiring process at high school colleges, it's very different.
2: Absolutely, I was honestly content. I was actually, I just got my um, teaching license. I was, I would be okay with teaching and, and coaching. I was like, I was good. Um, so I think I was at Lakeville for like three years, and in that third year. Um, obviously I got was married and we What what, were, what year were you married?
0: You have two young kids. So Oh
2: my goodness. I think I was married. This is terrible. I think I was married in 2013.
0: Okay. All right. I'm just just for perspective. I'm not Okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. So 2013 so. is right while you're at Lakeville South, right?
2: Yep. 2013 okay. and then 2015 I um I we had our first our first kid um so I was pregnant with with Joseph when I was coaching and that's when Hamlin's athletic director um called me. And at first he called me, he's like, Hey, just you know, I want to reach out to see if you or if you know anybody who's interested with in this position we're looking for a new head coach of our women's program. And he's a he's a smooth guy. I mean, he he, he posed it as like, I would just like to get some names from you. Right, I like, like would it. You, would you be open to having lunch? And so I'm like, Fine, yeah, sure. And you know, the lunch process turned from you know do you know anybody to this he was he was selling the program to me and, and would you want to do it and um you know so I had a good lunch with him and I kind of just shared with him that hey I don't know if this is in the cards uh, I pretty I pretty much said no to him right away as like, I'm pregnant um I I don't want to I don't want to be at a nine-to-five job kind of deal where I gotta clock in clock out and um, cause that's kind of a little bit what the University of Minnesota was, um, a little bit. So I was like, I just, I just don't think that's in the cards if I'm going to raise a family here. And, um, he's like, no, that's, that's not what it has to be at all. The D3 level is, is he explained it to me and how the schedule was. And he's like, I, I would trust you to work from home. And, um, I know you would do a great job. That's in your DNA to be competitive and do your best. So I don't think you need to clock in and clock out to do that. Um, and being in an office setting so if you wanted to do that from home go ahead and, and that really turned my head and and just his vision for the program in Hamlin University and and he was a relatively new athletic director there in, the, in his first couple of years so he was really driven and um, it just kind of got me excited to uh, pursue that opportunity so that's how the Hamlin thing came about was it would just give me great balance to, to obviously be a, a mom and, and be able to keep hockey in my life and and, and stay competitive in, in that realm. So um and your teams have been, your, Yeah,
0: your teams have been really competitive. I mean you were second in the conference last year and have, have you had a lot of success.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, this is our fifth year completed at Hamlin and yeah, I gotta say I am really proud of of where we've taken the program in a short amount of time. Um we've been at two frozen fours. Last year we played in the national championship game, came up short. Um, but we're, we've become, you know, when we took that program over, you know, they were, they were a bottom end team in the NIAC. Um, and we, we took it over in the first year, we inherited the team we had and, and we just saw a lot of growth and, and, and skill development out of that team. And, um, uh, I think we finished sixth in the conference the following year, we made the playoffs for like the first time in a decade um, then we went to two back-to-back frozen fours. Uh, last year we had four all Americans named, which was the more of any, the most of any other team in the country. So, um, again, I feel like, you know, the, the people Phil Hamlin and, and the the players that we're recruiting are the right kids. And they actually are what's what are going to gain interest for the incoming recruits is, is all about people. So, um i think hamlin we're really proud of what we've been able to accomplish in the last few years and the cool part is is i really think we're just getting started and uh getting the train on the tracks over there i think it's going to be a great program and d3 is a lot of fun i think there's a misconception that you know in the in the past d3 is kind of like a glorified beer league and recreation league it's not it's it's really competitive um you know our our games at Trier Rink, where we're lucky enough to call home, you know, when we're playing our big rivals, Gustavus St. Thomas, that place is packed. Uh, there's, there's, you know, 1,200 people there, um, and it's not just grandparents and mom and dads. It's, it's fans. It's, it's student body. It's, it's people who want to watch a good, skilled hockey game. Um, so I, I think our game right now is it's really competitive. It can probably rival a low end, mid end D1. A hockey game you know
0: so well we're gonna get uh, there we're gonna get there just yeah be patient we're gonna get to that part of (laughs) (laughs) it uh you've gotten way ahead here so i want to talk about the what that formula for your recruiting and then there's obviously development and then there's obviously you know you know uh, you know, the X's and O's, but the, the recruiting is your base, right? You know, you're getting the right type of player. Where have you found success? Is it, is it late conference kids? Is it, is it kids from British Columbia is, you know, where are you finding your success getting the really good players to come and commit and play for you uh, every year?
2: Well, our, our current roster for let's, let's just say for next year, um, all but, all but three kids are well, all my four kids are from Minnesota, so we're we. we i am biased, and so is my no, sister, So am I. So am I. You. you know, we we feel like the 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 talent is right in our backyard. So, you know, we got kids from the metro area here, Forest Lake, uh, Maple Grove, kid. Uh, we got a, we got Sophie Roush from F- Fergus Falls um so we kind of we have a a good tap on the metro but now we're starting to kind of get in the northern areas a little bit which is a lot of fun so uh but yeah our roster is primarily minnesota kids we have this past year we had three out-of-state kids one from north dakota which i don't really think counts
0: no Um, no not really yeah
2: (laughs) and then we have a kid from arizona who played um a kid from arizona and then another kid which was our goalie uh mckenna who's from montana so those are our only out-of-state kids, so um, we feel like our, our our talent is right here in our backyard, and, and so that's kind of who we're recruiting um, uh, going after. We just love the Minnesota kids and the, the mentality they bring and the passion they have for the game of hockey.
0: So. Uh back up a step here. So when I was growing up, you know, in the, in the seventies, I watched Neil Broughton and Bill Baker and a lot of those kids that played on that 80 Olympic team. And and I think that's just kind of was like a golden era for, for boys, high school hockey. not that it's not good now, but it was just, it was just kind of, it kind of erupted. You could see this, like this eruption. I feel like we're in that stage right now for girls, high school hockey. We're going to, you know, we're going to talk someday about seeing some of these girls play. Uh, in the Olympics, and and you look at the U eighteen Worlds where it's like half Minnesota kids. Like the U S mm-hmm. Olympic was half Minnesota kids. Are you, are you feeling the same way?
2: I am. I mean, I I, I think if you watched the state tournament this winter, the quality of the play between all the teams. I mean, they were close games, even the compilation, you know, rounds at Trier between uh, Rozo and, and Hillbury, those, those are phenomenal games. Uh, they're back and forth, and then the state championship game, obviously. Edina and Andover, I mean, you got, you got the hemp, uh, player. That's a solid player. Obviously already committed to the U you have a young Issa Gettle who is a ninth grader who's playing a regular shift and dominating out there. It's, it's just a lot of fun to see high school hockey and to see the, like you said, I think we're hopefully in the explosion phase of where yeah. Minnesota kind of takes over, you know? And I think going back to the Gophers again, if for a couple of years here, they've been recruiting some Canadians, and yes. um, and I think now they're starting to get back to okay, the Minnesota kids are the, the it kids to get again, and hopefully, you know, in the next year, two or three, his whole roster is all Minnesota kids. So
0: I think um, it will um, nothing be against sure.
2: East Coast and Canadians, but I mean, come on, gotta.
0: Pride We're on ice.
2: Here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pride on ice.
0: Pride on ice. Pride on ice. All right. So let's go back to to your front. So you said you know you you love the Minnesota kid. We we agree that there's is this a definitely a golden era an explosion phase of hockey. Um, when you're. When you're one of your competitors, really, I mean, if you're talking about competitors has to be the, the, the lower level division one kids that they're going to go to the, a lower level division one school. Why not come here, stay close to home in Minnesota and, and play at the high level, highest level of D3 where you're going to play for a national championship every year?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, you could you could be on staff right now and and help us recruit. <laughs> <with head statements.
0: laughs> um, well, you could be on that's... our staff right now, rattling off top players. <laughs> I was like, impressive. You knew Issa Guetta was. I'm, you know, ten <laughs> points for you.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love the game, and I, I love high school hockey. I mean, you're gonna pay attention to it, and so she's a she's a kid who caught my eye out there. Just, and that's that's just knowing the game of. Of kids like that, she angled well. Um, she can turn over pucks. Those are the kids we are kind of, that's what we watch for and who we want to recruit. So, um, but yeah, you hit it right on the head. I think, you know, we talked about before this podcast, is unfortunate what happened with North Dakota and them not having their program anymore. And that has a, a trickle down effect. Um, and then now with the East, a lot of East Coast schools starting up D1 institutions like Long Island University and Frank, Franklin Pierce. That's who we're kind of seeing a lot of these Minnesota players go
0: to. Yeah, they see it. Um, they see Division One, and they want to. They yep. want it's kind of like uh, in youth hockey when you're on the B team and you're on the A team. They the A mm-hmm. team always has a sweatshirt that says Wee A on it, right? Or you know, yeah, it's the yep. same. It's the same principle, isn't it? It's like I want to play Division One, not Division Three.
2: Exactly, and so. You know, I think one of the things that we have to touch on is the, again the misconception of D three. We are always asking for, so what do you know about D three? Hey, do you know this player? Oh, hey, well she's on our team. You know, oh, do you know this player? Yeah, she's really good. Okay, well she's on our team. You know, and and the players that we're getting we're, we're, that are coming to handling is the the they're understanding the difference of I'm going to go out east, not see my family, and not have my family in the stand and um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to basically play a regular season schedule versus, Hey, why don't you come here? And every game's important and it has an impact on our, on our city. And, and why don't you, why don't you play for some championships? Um, and in, and in a great rink, like Trier rink, that's full, um, most games. So that's, again, like you said, you, you hit the nail on the head. That's what we're trying to convey to these players is we're just trying to educate them of, not to say you know this is right or wrong it's just what do you want out of your college career you just came from Hillbury playing in pressure packed section titles and state championship games do you want that feeling again yeah okay where are you going to go to get that feeling again where can you go be that impact player where what team can you go to so we just try to kind of educate um, a lot of recruits on the D3 and and where a program is at and what teams you'll play to get there so um, the Mayak is no joke. I mean, there are a lot of great teams. It was, a uh, we had 31 points in the Mayak, which is the most ever in Hamlin history. And we got second place. Right. Behind player. us
0: Davis, right. You
2: know, right. So that just shows you the parody of, of our league. And on any given day, a team can knock each other off or steal a point from each other. So, uh, every game matters. And it's fun to play when it matters, when things count. So, um, And, yeah, the close-to-home factor, again, is is really important. And we try to say, you know, did you love your section final? Well, that's how it is. That's how it'd be. Every game.
0: And, yeah, in the Mayak. So, not to play into your hand too much here, uh, Miss Darwitz, but uh, I was talking to a player's dad uh, who had just committed to one of your fa- your favorite university, and this player had her choice of any school. So she, of course, made the trip out east to all the Ivy Leagues and Boston University, all those schools. Eventually, ended up choosing the university. And I said, well, why wouldn't she have given more? look to harvard because that's like a once in a lifetime place or princeton and he said you know what she went to a game there and there was 200 people there max and she wants to play hockey and she wants to play hockey in front of her family and she wants to play hockey in front of a whole bunch of people and she wants it to be like really special Mm -hmm. (laughs) his exact words i was like okay uh, uh there, so much for Harvard, because that isn't what it's like out there. There's no one there.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, I'll let you speak for that. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, she sounds like a really smart kid.
0: Yeah, so let's walk through. I, I I talked to you a little bit this before the show. I, I the the trickle down effect of North Dakota, and I'll give you an example. Um, I was talking to Courtney Olin, the coach at Cloquet, and the, you know they had a real nice team. They had three or four or five nice players, all seniors this year, and. Uh, because of the fact that there's not a, you know, northern Minnesota was a good draw for North Dakota to play. So kids from Warroad or, or Roseau or, or Cloquet or Proctor Hermantown, they're losing out on opportunities for kids to play Division One. Therefore, it's getting harder and harder for kids to even get into Division Three. So it's, a, it's almost a trickle-up effect for you, but a triple-down effect for kids getting into Division One and playing here locally.
2: Absolutely. And, and, and that's what I was kind of touching on earlier. Our game, I mean, it, it's not any more of, um, I'll, I'll be honest, before I took the Hamlin coaching job, I saw one Division three women's game in my life. Um, so I was like, I don't really know what I'm getting into, like the level of play here.
0: And it was probably um, off season, right? So you didn't even get a chance to yeah. taste. You know, you didn't even get to do the uh, uh, ice cream taster. You you just had to no, blind no. faith to whether you were gonna what you were gonna go coach. Interesting.
2: Yeah, I uh, I got hired in May, and I was like, okay, here we go. And um, you know, it's, it's not the notion anymore that like, oh hey, I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go play hockey. No, like you're you're not gonna go just play hockey at, at most schools. D three, you're gonna have to get recruited. There's just not that spot of the rec league anymore. Of like, I'll just walk on. That's that, that that's that's gone and passed. And and now I mean, we have to uh, recruit well and recruit to make our program better. And unfortunately, we have to tell some kids no that if, if they don't fit that mold, their vision of where we're where we want to go, and, and they're in that. Um, we don't have a spot for them. So yeah, it's just the trickle down effect. The doors are kind of closing on a lot of people who just want to just keep playing because they like it.
0: Right. You know, you think the kids that are playing D3 um, because they're not going to get to go wear the division one sweatshirt, they must really love the game. So you're not going to have a lot of prima donnas, a lot of the, you know, attitude that comes with it. The attitude has been broken because if they aren't division one, they are there just because they love the game.
2: Yeah, and as we were talking earlier, you know a lot of as you're talking about the example of the the girl going to the university of why she picked there, or um, it, it, it's, it's it's a lot like that. It's they the the players at the top D three level. You know, if you're a top twenty team in in the country, you probably have a couple players who possibly could play D1.
0: I would think, you know? I would think, I, I remember St. Thomas, uh, their boys, their their, their football team uh, gets a lot of Division one castoffs. Have you gotten to that point where our girl goes to a Division one school, doesn't get to play much, and maybe is now coming down to, to uh, it knocks on your door?
2: Well, I mean, our first Frozen Four run, that's exactly what happened. I mean, we had, we had two or three transfers from the Division one schools who were saying, hey, I'm, um, I'm, I'm playing a, a decent amount in my games on the second line or you know whatever it may have been you know we're a 500 team I'm just tired of the grind we start in September and we go through you know March and the regular season I I, I want to come back and, and get the love back for the game and, and, and play and, and to be in a winning team so we do get a lot of d1 transfers
1: yeah I would uh, think that would be for a... those
2: for those reasons you know and so Yeah. I mean, there's, it's not just these kids aren't there. There's a lot of us kids were trying to recruit. They either came from they're transferring from D1 or they're had, they're having a choice between going lower and D1 or coming to D3 and staying around home and and playing in front of fans and, and for championships. So um, it it all depends on what the kid's looking for. And and that's something that they have to obviously want to do in their heart and, and um, but we do see a lot of kids in Minnesota go out east and do the D1 thing and a year later. Come back. Feeling it back out. Said, hey, I think I want to come back. Do you have a spot? You know?
0: Yeah, and you're probably uh, full and then full, full, right? You, you must have, like, almost a waiting list in some ways, right?
2: Um. You know, we, we definitely have our incoming freshmen that we we were, we're earmarking and we want to want them to commit. Um, right. But we always in the spring, this is a big time for transfers. We always save a few spots for
0: just in for case. Transfers. right?
2: Yep, exactly. Um, So we're, we we're kind of in a spot right now where we actually already have four transfers coming in next year.
0: Do you what what is what do you know about next year? This is totally off the script here. What do you know about next year and potentially not playing next year?
2: I don't know anything. I mean, I don't think anybody really knows anything. Yeah. I, I mean, I think we're kind of living day to day. I don't think we, anybody medically even knows what was going to happen in a week from now, two weeks from now. So I'm just kind of holding my breath and holding out hope that this thing passes. And in the fall, we kind of <laughs> kind of can go back to a schedule where it might need to be modified for fall sports or, or whatnot, but right. I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of keeping positive positive thoughts and positive vibes and and hoping that things kind of will allow it to go back to
0: yeah, it's a it's a scary uh, time. A little
2: bit of normalcy. I have yeah. a,
0: I have a senior in high school, and she's going to the university next year, and she's like, "Dad, I don't know if I want to go there if it's just online." You know, think about that perspective. Right? I
2: know. Uh... <laughs> like it
0: it, it, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for athletics because a lot of these kids, because I know I work camps with U of M, a men's team, and a lot of those guys do a lot of stuff online as it is anyway. But just for your traditional student, where what's the point if you're you're just going to go online? Stool go someplace else to. Go to online school.
2: Yeah, uh, it's it's a crazy world right now, and and just gotta all hope for the best that things turn out okay, and we can one day be within six feet of each other.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Give a high five. I, you know.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: All right. So let's talk about your your coaching. Do you have aspirations to coach at the Division One level?
2: Um. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say no to it. Uh, I think right now, and where I'm at in life with raising a four year old and a two year old, it, it's really fun. To um, I'm in a good spot because I can be with them most of the day. I don't have to send them to daycare or, or anything like that. I think if if I ventured into D1, I think I would be putting my job ahead of family time. So the D3 life right now just gives me great balance of, of being able to do both. And obviously, I have an athletic director at Hamlin that. Um, encourages that and supports that and is really important um because i you know in another podcast i just did um we talked about the role of female coaches and why there aren't more right and i think it's for that situation is the people leadership roles don't allow it or don't get creative so that you know moms can raise a family and still coach and be involved in the game so i'm really lucky where i'm at um having that that be flexible and, and, uh, he trusts me to do my job and supports me to, to do it that way. So I think Hamlin's a really good fit for me where I'm at. I mean, 10, 15 years down the road, would I want to venture in D1 if the boys are older and I have more flexibility in my time? Absolutely. I would love to coach the highest level possible and, and be around, you know, the top athletes and be at a, obviously an institution that um, they care about their athletics, and at the you know at, at a big university or something like that. So I won't I don't I wouldn't say the door is closed at any all. I'm gonna keep all the doors open. But for for right now, I love where I'm at, and it's a really great fit.
0: Well it's also if you think about it depends on you know, like you said you grew up in egan in a, in a in a metro area and you like a target closer than two hours away and those kinds <laughs> of things right where if if and you think about it there aren't a lot of gravy locations for Division one hockey other than Madison and minneapolis uh you know no offense to Saint Cloud or Bemidji or some places out east it's it's not really there aren't a lot of great places to raise a family and do what you're doing what you you kind of have the best of both worlds now with a with a husband that works and two young kids i mean you're in you're in a great spot
2: yeah i'm really fortunate and blessed in that aspect and yeah as you said it, it'd be hard to you know relocate and, and go to a outer you know remote location but um i think things will get interesting here if st thomas gets the d1 approval and they join the wcha i think that will you know, two two twin cities markets in, in division one and on the woman's side I think will be really interesting. So um that's something to kind of keep keep an eye on for just all of hockey and as the North Dakota thing folded, if that thing comes to fruition, I think that's gonna be really interesting and intriguing uh just for the women's hockey world to to have that, you know, kinda of like a B C B U where yes. two colleges within a couple miles of each other, you know. So
0: what a hot um, spot that I would think, be, don't you think? If St. Yeah, Thomas think, comes to fruition, it would just be a hot – it would be great for everybody, not just – It you just
2: – like you talked about the ripple effect. That would just be a positive ripple effect for the women's game. It would be great. So I, um,
0: I, I couldn't agree with you more. Yep. All right. Uh, last thing, let's talk a little bit about your family, married, husband, what's his name, and talk a little bit about your kids, uh, where you live, that kind of stuff. I think people want to know, where, where is she doing now, you know? <laughs> I think – I mean, literally, all we talk about puck? puck hockey stick assist let's you know there's a there's a personal yeah. life to you as well i think would be interesting for people to know
2: yeah well i, I don't want to give on my address i don't like to be uh, yeah i know tonight, but uh <laughs> yeah i'm pretty lucky we're we're in Pryor lake and um got two little two little adorable boys and a, and a dog named oakley yeah um we're, we're actually fortunate enough to live on prior lake nice um yeah, so just uh, really lucky and, and fortunate enough to have some great neighbors to, to share with us a great spot on the lake. and uh, So, yeah, we're lucky enough to call Prior Lake home and uh, actually just getting the boat ready to dunk in the water tomorrow for the summer. So uh, the, 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 the two toddlers keep us on our toes for sure. Uh, they're high energy and never a dull moment. So, um, you know, a lot of days I'm not aware that we're in a, you know, quarantine, because we're outside just doing what we would normally do. Yeah. Obviously, when the weather's not good, I kind of go a little crazy. Um, but uh, things are good, and, and uh, we're, we're really lucky and blessed to, um, to be where we are and obviously have have a good job and um, healthy boys and healthy dogs. So things are good.
0: You said your husband wasn't a hockey guy. Does that make it maybe a tough decision down the road for your two boys, or do you think they'll be hockey players?
2: I hope they're hockey players. Quite honestly, right now I'm a little concerned because they're like motorheads. They're like gearheads. We have a little like baby quad, well, a little four wheeler quad. <laughs> yeah. All they want to do is ride bad. and then my my oldest kid is like in love with Lightning McQueen, so all he wants to do is play with cars. So okay. I'm like, what's going on here? We gotta we gotta get uh, the stick in your hands more. But they uh they're, they, they're they're they do everything. They swing bats, they throw balls, they pick up the stick a little bit. Uh, this winter, we obviously plowed off the, the ice and got them out skating a little bit. And um, They come to games. I, I love I've, I love when we have games at Tria because the boys are there in the front row banging on the glass. Although they're more interested in the Zamboni than the game, uh, they're still in the rink, so that, that's pretty special. But uh, I think they'll be hockey players. I mean, you're a of your surroundings, and they're always at the rink with me. So hopefully, you know, when they're a little bit older, they'll – they'll want to pick up the stick and and be
0: hockey, hockey nuts. Well, you picked a good location. Prior Lake's got a great facility, a great youth program, and uh, you'll you'll be in good hands with Joe Pankrantz and his crew of people down there putting hockey out there. they've had some solid
2: programs and... uh, Matt Mathiason running that rink over there is a phenomenal yes, facility. Great you know? guy. Oh so, my god! Yeah, you can
0: eat off the floor. It's so clean. It's just a beautiful <laughs> facility. It's great. Yeah, best
2: concessions too, I think, in the whole
0: state. Oh, have you had there, the popcorn? You know? Have you had the popcorn there?
2: Yeah, it's it,
0: good. Number it's one good. in the country. Number one in the country. It's it's, <laughs> it's, like a, it's addicting. It's really good stuff. So, this has been good stuff too. Uh, I really, Natalie I appreciate your time and and your insights of, about y- your career, but more more and less the the just the girls game and the growth of women's hockey in minnesota and it's uh you're kind of a pioneer in the beginning but now you're really uh you're really holding the flag higher uh and putting that the, the flag real high here in minnesota
2: well thank you i really appreciate those words uh i think it's all about now that the hockey career has kind of come full circle it's cool now to just be on the other side of things and hopefully grow the game and make it impact wherever i can and and uh, help out so it's uh it's a great game and it's given me a lot of opportunities and a lot of friendships and if i can uh circle back and make that better that'd be awesome
0: well i think you definitely have and i look forward to seeing a hamlin pipers game here soon and uh seeing your squad play over at Tria
2: that'd be awesome thank you
0: natalie darwitz uh hamlin division three coach and uh hockey legend here on the lots of matzo pizza podcast hope you enjoyed today's show